What's up, Primal Athletics family? Welcome back for another episode. Today we are joined by special guest Hunter McIntyre, uh, the bulk pony himself, Damn world right. champ, the champ champ, uh, obstacle course race, Spartan race, Tough Mudder, all the good stuff, 2019 games athlete. Um, got a lot of cool stuff to dig into today with Hunter, and we're super excited to have him for a conversation. Rock and roll, boys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, for, I kind of just jump right into it here. Like there was so much controversy about you coming into the CrossFit space. Uh, for those of you who don't know, who are listening, um, Hunter was given this wild card invite to the game. So he comes from his, his sport of obstacle course racing, jumps into our sport. And I, I viewed it as like this, like pretty courageous thing to like put yourself out on the line and, uh, you know, test yourself in a whole new space. Um, and there was a lot of people who didn't think that way, but I just want to kind of say like, man, I respect that, that move to put yourself on the line. And what, what was, what was the intent behind it? Like just challenging yourself, uh, trying to see, you know, where you're at in a different, different realm. Well, thank you. Um, I don't know. The best way to look at it is probably I'd be considered like a bare knuckle boxing, gypsy, gypsy boxing champion compared to them being in like a sanctioned backyard sissy league, like golden gloves or something. And uh, these hot shots that thought that they are so fancy because they could pick up colorful plates and walk on their hands and tell everybody how quickly they did it. I said, that's a bunch of bullshit. I could do that. That's not that big of a deal. So I said, fuck it. I'm going to go. And you know what? I, I've always competed against these guys in one way or another. Like they had come over and competed in something that I was racing in. And we were always like one degree of separation away from each other. And, um, I always really respected CrossFit because it's such like a capacity-based, hard work-based kind of sport. It's not like a, well, you know, uh, like golf, like, you know, where it's like putting and, you know, just a bunch of guys wearing blue collared, you know, fancy collared shirts hanging out in the sunshine. It's a pretty gritty, get the fuck after it kind of thing. And I like that. I don't necessarily love all of it, but I like the idea that, you know, the hardest working guy is probably going to be the winner, guy or girl. And, um, I just, I just figured, you know what, if I just start telling everybody that I'm going to do it, maybe they'll let me do it. And they did. It's pretty <laughs> random. Like <laughs> just started making phone calls at this table right here. I just sat at this table all day long, calling everybody I knew, trying to let them know that I was going to go to the games and, uh, if they could tell somebody else about it too. And eventually it just, it, it happened. And, uh, I'm glad that I did it. And I think along with it, there's definitely been some people that have become more Hunter fans and then there's become, you know, more of the other side of the fence, which is they think they thought that they won because the way things went. But for the most part, I walked away with a lot more friends than I started with. And, you know, guys like Hepner and Noah and Chandler, who are my really good buddies in the group, we still kick it all the time, have a great time. And I'm sure it won't be the last battle you see between the three of us or four of us. I thought something was really interesting in a, it was in an interview I heard with you after the games or maybe it was even before you had on 
Um, and you made this like kind of statement champions. Once they reach like that pinnacle level in whatever sport they're at, they can kind of move laterally. Like it's, it's once you reach a champion, uh, you know, position in anything, you kind of have the tools to apply to different spots. And I thought that was a, a cool concept. I still believe it. I mean, I, I don't think it's like, you know, one for one. Like if you're good at basketball, it does not mean that you're going to become a world champion at hockey. But you certainly have all the bricks to build something serious. You know what I mean? And I think if I decided to drop everything I was doing right now and uh, make a pass at some other sport, I think I could probably end up in a similar position that I did last year. Um, I do believe that – I will say this comes with a grain of salt – you can't – if you want to be the best in the world at something, you got to focus on one thing and do it the best, and you got to focus really hard on it. You can't dick around and do a bunch of different things all at once. And um, I've done that before in my life, and it certainly has been a lot of fun, and, but it doesn't pay off. Like, I'm on my ninth year of racing, and I'm at that point now where everything's just starting to move at the point where I feel like I'm like in the matrix. Like everything – I can see it ahead of time almost. I'm really tuned in. But I think it would take me probably about another five years to be like that in CrossFit. So uh, anybody who's thinking about trying to go to the CrossFit Games on a wild card, don't think it's going to be that easy. <laughs> yeah. Do you have plans to go back to the Games? Like I know in the interview last year you you said like hopefully in two years you of focusing on CrossFit you could make an impact and like, you know, uh, be kind of towards the top of the pack. Do you still see that as like a goal or – yeah, well, I got an invite to go to the Asbury Park Games, which is in June, and they just wrote an email to us saying that it's going to be canceled. So I think all sanctions are canceled at this point. So 2019 seasons or 2020 seasons a wash. Um, I don't believe I'll ever put the amount of work in to get to be like a year-long year CrossFit athlete or year-round CrossFit athlete just because it's it's not something I'm interested in, just staying in a gym like – four, five, six hours a day. But I think that if I could thread the needle, I could probably get away with getting into a sanctional. And if the workouts are strong for my, my kind of body type and my kind of capacity, and it's one of those kind of things where it's like two guys have already qualified for the games. I just got to come third. That's what I'm looking for. Cause I'm, I'm back into running and I'm running and biking 10 to 15 hours a week and I'm bodybuilding and I'm arm wrestling and I'm drinking beer. And that's a, way better life than what I was doing to get ready for the CrossFit games. My body feels awesome. I'm doing way more cool stuff. Uh, so not to say that CrossFit's the worst sport in the world, but it's the worst one to train for, I think. <laughs> going back yeah, to the games great. real quick, um, going into it, you said like you got that wild card spot. Maybe people weren't taking you seriously. Going to yeah. event number one, you hear there's going to be – the field's going to be cut in half pretty much from 150 down to 75 or 140 yeah. down to 75. Uh, and then you come out and what I would say probably one of the most just CrossFit esque workouts, not only in the games last year, but in the last few years, the uh, four rounds for time, the 400 meter run, three legless rope climbs, seven squat snatches. You come, you come out firing, you come in, I think it was 42nd place, 43rd place in that, yep. uh, 46th place. Sorry, I just pulled it up. Uh, how okay. did that feel to come out there and say, and, and beat almost a hundred people in the field and say like, Hey, I'm here for a reason. I can, I can do this. It felt really good. I mean, the, the interesting thing about it was it's like the way that the CrossFit games were structured last year, it's like especially for a rookie or somebody in my position, 
Like it was really cool to be there, but because the way that uh, Dave Castro is such a well-rounded asshole, he <laughs> designed it to be this kind of thing where he's like releasing information as you're going through the workout practically. I was, as everyone knows it, and you can ask any CrossFit Games athlete who was there last year, you were supposed to make it to the third workout after the first one. And then after the first one, they're like, we're making another set of cuts. So I didn't even really get to get to like be excited to be at the games. Like they were just fucking cutting people so quickly. So, so you were guaranteed after the first cut to do at least two more workouts? Originally? Yes. Yes. And I don't know if it was geared towards the fact that I made it through the first cut or not, but I strongly think that if I made it to that ruck thing that I would have fucked shit up and things would have been different. So, I mean, honestly, dude, the, the games came and went so quickly. Like, I've been competing for nine years now, and nothing happened as fast as the CrossFit Games. Like, it just was like, I was there. I got the information. I was behind this thing. They released us. We did the workout. I came back. Boom, here's the next workout. And we're going to cut you if you don't make it through this one. So, I, I don't even – I don't remember most of it, man. I blacked out kind of. It was the kind of thing where you're just like, oh my God, there's so much information. There's so much, so many people. And if you don't, like, I just wish that I would have thought more about the workouts and rather than the cuts. And I, it would have been such a different result. Like I got done with the second workout, the, the section of the rows and the overhead stuff. And I got done mm -hmm. with the first handstand walk, I think in third place in my heat. And I was just standing there and I was like, wow, like I'm doing it. And then I just didn't even really think to myself that I, I had six minutes to walk 80 feet on my hands and I, I didn't do it. And I've never done that before in my life. I've been able to walk on my hands for the past, fuck, I don't know, eight, nine years. Ever since I first tried CrossFit, handstand walking was involved. So I'd walk around on my hands all the time, but I couldn't do it. I don't know why just overwhelmed, I guess. So it was interesting. And uh, I'm definitely pumped that I got through though, because I at least showed that I had something in the tank. And I think a lot of people, I've, I've talked to you know other athletes since and they all respected it. So um, I hope that they don't keep the cuts though, because even though there's too many athletes in the field to get like a really concise version of uh, what they used to be, I think cutting people too soon is never going to really bring in the best opportunity to show who's the fittest. Hmm. Do you think uh, that the idea of having wild card athletes is something that CrossFit should continue with? And if so, like, what are some other uh, maybe like sports or or areas they could draw from? Because there's quite a bit of crossover from your uh, sport over into CrossFit, and you're obviously a CrossFitter. So, like, where else could they pull from to get those wild card people to stack up in the games? Shit, man. You could probably get like uh, some good strong men, some good MMA athletes. You could get some shoot, like even like, I know it's not even really a sport, but just some training style people, those bar star guys. Like I've worked out with some bar stars and they would have destroyed um, that second workout on the rower and the shoulder press and walking on their hands and things like Mary, they would have killed. Like there's a lot of really, really freakish athletes. Um, who just don't do CrossFit. And like, I mean, I listed the top 10 fittest people I'd ever met in my life. And I would say like three of them went to the CrossFit games. The rest of them 
are just these monsters that you wouldn't even know of because they don't do CrossFit. But like that guy, Martins, who won the strong, uh, world's strongest man two years ago, dude, that guy, like I guarantee that first workout, he would have gotten through. I've watched him do um, these monster grip pull-ups, like block pull-ups, which barely the fittest like OCR guys I know can barely do 10. He just grabbed it and started repping them out. So I don't think that dude would have a problem climbing up a leg or slope climb. And he could literally muscle snatch 185 like it's no big deal. And, and that guy could jog. Like he could just walk around and do that 400 meters. That, that workout, I think he could have gotten through. Um, I don't know if he can walk on his hands though, but still like that's, that's like, he has that kind of capacity. There's so many monsters out there that I don't think the world really knows about. And I think that kind of cross pollination is going to make certain athletes who are already in the games better and certain athletes who've come in and seek the opportunity better. And then it's just going to create cooler contests uh, as time goes on. Yeah, that's interesting. The MMA guys, I never thought about that before. I think the, um, when you think about the wild card, the most natural things to think of are your power lifters, your weight lifters, your OCR guys, but the MMA is a really interesting concept. I'd like to see some of those guys kind of cross over as well. Freaks, total freaks, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. I wish I, that's something I would really, really like to watch. So yeah, that's, that's my two cents. So let's, uh, let, let's bring it back a little bit before uh, – let's try to get a little bit of background here. How did you get into OCR to begin with? Were you a super active kid? Were you playing sports? Like what kind of led you to where you are today growing up? I mean, I, I only did sports because my parents told me I had to get a job otherwise. So it was kind of like one of those things where I just like I did it to do it, and I never cared about sports. And I didn't care about sports until I was hmm, – probably like 19 years old. And by the time that had happened, I I was in college and I was on academic probation and they wouldn't let me wrestle. And I was already so fed up with the whole program. I decided to drop out of school and just pursue professional, like just being a really fit guy who didn't have to do homework. I just wanted to do it the, the natural path without having to freaking study anthropology, like a total nuthead. Um, and by the time I had left college, I went modeling for a while and I just spent so much time in the gym trying to get really lean. I was like, ah, I hate taking pictures and this is not that fun. So I was just like, what do I do now? And by the time that was over, I was kind of stuck in this limbo where my parents were like, you basically got like five seconds to figure out what you're doing or you have to go back to school. And in that window, I discovered Spartan racing and it I did really well in the first contest I ever did. And it was the kind of thing where I did not want to go back to school. It was just kind of like, it was like a prison break. I knew that if I decided to make the move on it, I needed to go like, you know, all poker chips down or I was going to end up getting caught and dragged back into the system of college. So I went all in. And within a couple months of that, I had pro contracts and I was able to travel around and get paid for it. So it was just really luck of luck of the draw and really hard work. And that's where I'm at now. Awesome. I saw you were, you were writing a book recently. You posted about that. Is that, is that kind of just about like your, your OCR racing? Is it about your whole life in general? What's that book going to be about? Uh, yeah, it's titled Bull of the Mountain. Um, basically, it is kind of the transition from being this kid who had a lot of talent and never did anything with it and kind of got right on the edge of being completely – 
completely fucked by the system because I was at the point where I was in rehab and if I had screwed up one more time, I would have ended up going to jail. Like I had been kicked out of three rehabs already and I had been pissing dirty on all my tests. And all of a sudden I just told my counselor because I didn't really have any, I didn't have any idea of what I was going to do with my life. I just knew that I needed to do something different than uh, what I was already in. And currently it was just too easy for me to get my schoolwork done, go to my AA meetings, do my community service. And then I had all this energy left and time with my day. And I just told my, my counselor, I was like, if I don't do something that is so exhausting and challenging, I'm going to end up pissing dirty again. And I'm going to go to jail. You know, this is going to happen. So he called up one of his buddies who used to, he used to work with in the AA system. And he got me a job as a logger. And I started like this little Connecticut boy who was like, you know, 5'11 and 160 pounds. I went up into the mountains of Montana and I basically showed up with a pair of skinny jeans and cotton gloves and a pack of Marlboro smooth cigarettes with a bunch of guys who were just hard as nails. And next youngest guy was 29 and the rest of them were in their forties and had been logging their entire lives they basically just kind of broke me of the, the lifestyle of being a boy and a pussy and just completely changed my life from that point on. And at that point on, like I completely understood that my physical level of capacity and hard work could literally out outweigh and outwork anything that I was going to face in life. And by the time I got to college, I was working against all these kids who were still boys and they were all just, they hadn't gone through what I had gone through. They had just kind of gone through high school and now we're in like the next stage, which was, had not turned them into men. They were just basically in college. I had to grow up this, like in this very short window of time, I had to grow up that fast or I was literally going to go to jail. And it's just all about the mindset of how I kind of made that transfer and all the lessons I learned between overdosing on drugs, almost going to jail learning things on the mountain, kind of getting that quitting school, trying to figure out the whole lifestyle of like this physical beast that was put into a world that was like, you know, I was basically like a square trying to get fit into a round hole and uh, I had to kind of just work my way through it. And I've been writing that book for gosh, three years, but it's just everything. Once you write it, then you shave it down, you polish it a little bit, then you sit down, you think, and it just keeps on going forever. So I've been busting my ass and try to have it done before the end of the summer. Awesome. I'll be yeah, interested to read time. that one as uh, as someone with a pretty similar past. I'll, I'll be the first to pick that book up. I look forward to it, man. I appreciate that. Awesome. Um, so uh, I hear when we talked to Hepner recently, he was saying you're trying to break the Murph world record. How's that training going? Fuck, the yeah. There? <laughs> uh, it's awesome, man. You know, I'm sure a lot of the people who are listening to this podcast are just sitting there and they're thinking like, what the hell do I do with my time? Like we're all physical beings. We're obviously here for a reason. We love CrossFit or some other kind of sport. And I was like right on the edge of going to my world championship for high rocks and I was in such good shape and then boom, coronavirus. And we're all just sat here with, you know, just sitting on our hands with nothing to do, dude. And, uh, idle hands of the devil's playground, as they say. And I was like, I cannot be this person who just allows life to happen to me. I got to take the bull by the horns here. And 
I just sat there and thought to myself, I was like, what is something that I've always wanted to accomplish? And what is like going on in the world right now? What do I have the equipment for? And this Murph just kind of snapped into my head. And I thought to myself, I was like, dude, Memorial Day is like eight weeks out. I was like, I could do this right now. If I put all poker chips down, I could do this thing. And I just started making phone calls and I started, I contacted the Guinness Book of World Records and then I contacted Jacob and then I contacted Chandler and Chandler connected me with a charity and it's just like, just bouncing all around and next thing you know, it all came together and it was kind of just like the way I trained for the CrossFit Games last year. Like I didn't know if it was going to happen or not, but I just kept on acting every single day like it was going to come together just the way I wanted it to. And today I just finally got the link up for the charity and I put together, like I'm still talking to Guinness book of world records for them to recognize it as like a actual event for their, for their book. And you know what? Like those are all the, the things outside of my control. Like, but I I wanted to handle them first so that I knew that it was all going to be done for the proper cause. Cause I think I've always wanted to be a Navy SEAL and I think what he did was so amazing. Uh, Michael Murphy did was so amazing, but they won't let me in the military because all the trouble I told you guys about. So once they told me I couldn't be an Navy SEAL, I told myself I was going to live every single day like I was a Navy SEAL. And so I just figured like this is probably the greatest thing I could do with my life right now. And every single day, probably about three to four hours of training consistently, five, six days a week. Um, it's coming together really, really well. I think uh, I'm probably going to break 30. I'm probably going to hit maybe 29, 30, or 50, uh, 28, 45. Ooh, if nice. I guess. So what's are you, your are training you... look like? Like what's huh? like a typical training day to prep for that? Um, I train my blocks based on three-week cycles. And I just finished like a, a power speed cycle. And now I'm on an endurance cycle. So yesterday was legs. Legs is just like smashing high reps, goblet squats, because I need to practice getting that explosive depth. And then I need to work on my posterior chain because you just got that 20-pound plate sitting on your back. And even though it seems silly, just takes only a couple degrees of leaning forward and your lumbar spine just shits the bed. So I'm doing tons of back extensions. I'm doing tons of dumbbell deadlifts. And then I'm doing huge wads. Every single day, my wads last anywhere from 20 minutes to 30 minutes, including endurance involved and uh, multiple movements targeting muscle groups. Uh, So legs are Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, Today is going to be upper body. So I'll probably do, I'm going to write it down after I get off the phone with you guys. I'm probably just going to basically do dumbbell bench press. Then I'm going to do tons and tons of TRX with a weight vest on and some plates on me just to build uh, the pull muscles and the posterior chain. And then I'm just going to do a savage EMOM until I just piss blood. Um, Tuesdays and, and Fridays are hard days. You only can do about two hard workouts a week if you're really smart about it. And then uh, every Saturday is basically like a, is a version of Murph. It's either more technical, less reps, same amount of reps, less speed, um, just more time on your feet or less technical reps, um, more reps, more intensity. So I just have this like kind of like a pie chart type thing where I'm just figuring out how to fill up my week. And if the intensity is too high, then I can really feel it. And I'll have to just like, that's why I took that nap. The intensity was too high yesterday and I shit the bed. Um, 
but it, it's pretty interesting, man. Like I think it's maybe a, a lot of people think we're meatheads, but um, most of the best athletes I've ever met are pretty gosh darn scientific. Like Chandler, um, Chandler smart, really smart. That guy, you should pick his brain. Hefner's really, really smart. Uh, it's fun. If you find a group of people who are really interested in this stuff, you could just sit there and kind of have like an Albert Einstein kind of moment. It's good <laughs> shit. Yeah. Well, Hunter, with all this, like, it seems with, with pretty much everything you do or set out to do, there's like this inkling to push the envelope and like the world championships, the world records, the highest level of what you can achieve in whatever you're trying to do. What yeah. kind of, is there like a specific legacy you're looking to build or what's like the, the end game of, you know, taking everything to that championship level? Is there one, I guess? Mm. It's interesting. Like I was just raised with a lot of pride behind the McIntyre name. Like we had to go out to Michigan every summer and my grandfather would make us wear like kilts and, and Scottish shirts with our name on it. And we had to march around this lawn with a bunch of other clans in the Highland games. And our motto is pro Arjua through hard times. And you know, our family's just always been super into our family legacy. And I'm one of four boys. My dad is the oldest and he's got four sisters. So it was really important to him for raise a couple boys that were going to pass on the name. And my grandfather goes to Scotland all the time to go like do more research on our family and all the brothers and our, you know, a couple of my family members have gone to Harvard. Everyone's gone to college. Everyone's done something great. My oldest brother's a lawyer. The next one's a neurologist. The next one's a hedge fund manager. So it's not like anybody sits there and points at you and being like, Hey bro, did you see what I did today? No, you just show up with uh, a lot of ammo in your back pocket and you don't even have to talk about it. They just know you've been fucking shit up. So I just, we're all like that. We, I guarantee by the day that I die that everyone will know my name. And for some reason, it will be something beyond, beyond what the McIntyres were known for before. To be totally honest, the McIntyres were totally dog shit. The Campbells <laughs> were the pro- people who started this problem. So if you ever meet a Campbell, flip them off for me because they're pieces of shit. We lived on the Campbells' lands in the northern highlands of Scotland. And they eventually found out that it was cheaper to have or more financially beneficial to them for them to raise sheep than actually have McIntyres on their land. So they cast us out, those greasy pieces of shit. And at that point, most of us moved to America. And from that point on, we've come here with vengeance on our side. And we're never, ever going to let them live that down. So I basically train every single day to meet a Campbell and let them know they're a piece of shit. And then I'll take their land from them and I'll put sheep on it. It's like so, a Hatfields and McCoy situation going on here. Damn right, dude. You see a camel, you let them know I'm coming, dude. I fucking got a zombie, like a big old zombie truck with a bunch of Gatlin guns and a Scottish flag behind me. I'll chase them to the end of the earth. I'm going to go through my pantry and throw away any Campbell soup now. Damn right. <laughs> Take, tear the label off it and chuck it in the fire. That's a piece of trash you got in there. <laughs> Right. Hunter, up here in uh, in New Hampshire, they do the Scotland Highland Games every yeah. September. Damn right. And they do those, uh, like, it's basically strongman, but there's some other stuff mixed in it. That would be cool to to try to get a wild card, too. Damn right, dude. Around in the mountain. The, the kilt on. Cave, 
caber toss. I got to beef up a little bit, dude. I've met a lot of those Highland Games athletes. Like, I'm 6'2", 6'3", and I'm 210 right now. Those guys are like 6'4", 6'6", and like 300-plus pounds. They all used to be like D1 track and field athletes. They're thick. So I got to find a way to outsmart them or uh, just outwork them. Something's going to have to happen because I'm never going to be that fat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Damn good, damn good. So uh, when we had – we had Hefner on, Jacob. He was saying you have to ask – you have to get Hunter on. He was very adamant, and he said you have to ask him about his skiing story. Apparently, skiing? You got involved, apparently you got involved in some skiing thing where you didn't know how to ski, but you told him you knew how to ski. Oh, gosh. Uh, I, I used to be uh, a host of a television show called Boundless where I, they sent me around the world doing all the hardest endurance races. And they asked me, they're like, hey, we'd love to have you on the show. You seem like a great fit do you know how to do all these things? And that included like rappelling and like underwater navigation, cross country skiing. Uh, do you know how to like, you know, basically like cook food with your eyes closed in the Arctic tundra. And I was like, of course I know how to do that shit. So I lied thoroughly on my application. Like I just avoided any kind of responsibility that came with like actually reading this thing through. So episode two I show up in the middle of nowhere, Greenland, and it's the hardest ski race in the entire world. It's in the Arctic Circle, and you're skiing over a marathon distance in the mountains every single day on skis that are about three, three fingers wide. And I had no fucking clue what I was doing. And I showed up in a, a, a Reebok hoodie, a cotton Reebok hoodie um, with like a Patagonia sweater to put over top and a pair of sweatpants and some like Nike tube socks. Everybody else had like these Lycra Antarctic windproof outfits with special goggles and gloves and knew how to wax their skis and knew everything that had to do with a sport. I mean, it's not the most complicated thing in the world, but you never would start. It'd be like me starting tennis and like uh, on the court at Wimbledon. It just doesn't happen. Like there's, and there's consequences that come with not having the knowledge for this shit. So, I mean, day one, I crashed so hard, I split my skis in half. And there was, a, there was like one of the referees there at the bottom of the hill where I'd split my ski in half and he was screaming at me in Greenlandic. And I was like, dude, I have no fucking clue what you're saying, but it's so cold outside that I'm out of here. So I just dumped my skis and I started running through the snow because the only way to stay warm when you have, you're drenched in sweat and have just like a shitty Reebok hoodie on is to try to continue to sweat and keep your heart rate up. So like day one, split my skis in half, like, you know, for another like five miles of running through the snow, like not on the side of the road, through the snow. They eventually brought me skis and let me ski out of there. Um, like day two, a storm came in and I was still in this Reebok hoodie and like a little cotton hat and uh, it was like, it was sunny out. Like you ever go like a bluebird day of skiing where you go outside and it's like perfectly sunny and you're like, wow, it's great. And I like, unzip my hoodie and I was feeling myself. I was starting to kind of catch the stride. And then an Arctic storm came in and dude, like, like this, the skies turned gray and snow was dumping. It dumped back down to like negative 20 degrees. And I was like dying. I was actually dying on course. I could not zip up my jackets. I was crying. 
I was like so screwed. You couldn't see far in front of you much more than like 10 to 15 feet in front of you because the fog was so thick. Um, some woman ended up zipping me up. Like I, I, I wish I could find this woman cause I owe her my life. Like I was just like, like that kind of like snotty cry. Uh, and she zipped me up and finally helped me get home. But I mean, dude, I almost died in Greenland. If there was ever a moment, like it had nothing to do with drugs or driving fast while drunk or something stupid like that. It was on cross country skis in Greenland during some stupid endurance event. Uh, because I had lied on my application and had no clue what I was doing. And, uh, it was, it was just like one of those kind of things where once I had been there and I still have cold damage on my fingers. Um, I don't know, like CrossFit workouts and things like that, or, you know, just shitty endurance races that I'm in now, they don't feel like anything. I think back to that day all the time and like, there's no workouts, there's no shitty day. There's no bad weather that will ever compare to that one moment in time. So, yeah, I think Hefner really likes to laugh about that story because he, he's been to some dark places, but this is a far, far deeper and darker place. And no yeah, point did the TV horrible. producers say like, hey, let's pull him out of there. It's not worth it. Or, or the race people were like, this guy's going to die out there. Well, dude, that's the funny thing. Like, I remember that they, they're always around filming you, but we were on a pretty light budget. It was on the Esquire network, which was owned by NBC, and they were doing it on a budget. Like we had to travel around the world to 10 races and get the equipment for them and rent the hotels and pay to get in the race. Like flying everybody from North America to Greenland for a race is not cheap. And then getting the equipment and like, you know, cause there was about, there's four of us who are hosting the show, two guys, two girls, no, two guys, one girl or three guys, one girl, sorry. And there was, about a half dozen people on the production side. So like the, we were just, we had a lot going on and they couldn't really focus on me. They were annoyed by the fact that they knew that I basically had lied my way into this thing. So they're like, fuck this kid. And um, I'll never forget. Like I was so upset and sick and tired of, of being filmed because I was like so miserable. One of the camera guys comes up and he was the nicest one. It was Josh. And he's just like, I see him with the camera. I could see him like the faded distance. He gets up to me. I'm like, I'm like, dude, fuck off. I was like, do not film me right now. This is not good. And he's like, no, bro, no. The guy whose snowmobile I was riding on the back of, he didn't realize that I fell off the back and I've been stuck out here for hours. Like, I need help. Like, I need to get out of here too. Because like all these Greenlandic people, we, we rented their services and they would get pissed drunk and ride around on their snowmobiles all day long. Like that's all they do in that culture is just drink a ton and ride snowmobiles. And he was out there getting screwed over too. So like the whole band of us was like in a shitty position. This is like the most drastic environment you could ever be in the world. And we were already spread thin on budget and timing and circumstances. So I was the last man on the totem pole. Like, when they found out that my skis were broken, they like radioed in. They're like, fuck that guy. Make him run for a while. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was an experience. I just picture like you're in this like race, this world-class race. And you're just sprinting while everyone's on a, on skis. It's like being in a NASCAR race and your car crashes. You yeah. just decide to start running around the track. <laughs> like I was gonna damn right, going. dude. <laughs> Strip down naked like Ricky, Ricky Bobby and start doing hot laps, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? I actually didn't do that bad. Out of like a couple hundred people, I think I came in like forty something place. Um, 
Because it's not like one of these things where everybody's like a lightning bolt. They're just tough as nails. So we didn't do terrible, but trust me, I, I, that's one of those races. I've only got a couple races up in my wall that I need to go back to and kind of accomplish. That one I need to kind of relive and have a little bit more respect. Like you can't – I cried hard. <laughs> and I, I don't want those tears. There's frozen tears on the floor of Greenland somewhere, and I need to scoop those things back up and take them back to America. <laughs> Make sure Campbell doesn't get them. Damn Campbells. Yeah. <laughs> you ran out of their soups. Damn pieces of shit. Yeah. Well, you'd be, uh, we've, we've been joking around about uh, the show we want to make, and you'd be perfect for it. Take these elite-level athletes and make them do stupid-ass sports, like go to yeah. the, uh, the Hobby Horse World Championship in Poland or do like extreme ladder racing. I think you'd be uh, the perfect host for this show. Dude, sign me up. I'll torque those bastards. I, I, I've been trying to sell a television show where I take celebrities. You know um, Bear Grylls takes celebrities out and like takes them to nature? Yep. That's soft. Like, who cares that I brought you into the woods and made you eat, like, a, you know, whatever, like a bat turd that I heated up for a half hour on the fire? Like, I want to take celebrities through the most brutal endurance races, whether it be, like, a, a marathon in the Arctic Circle or running across the desert or make them do the Ironman Hawaii, and I'm just going to drag them through the shit. Because I, honestly, like, there's – you can't – you can outproduce content – and I think it's super easy for me to take any of you guys in the woods right now and make a little fire and make you walk through like knee high snow and then maybe like make me make you rappel down a rock that's like a hundred feet tall. Yeah, I can capture that. But the cool thing about taking people through these races is like a lot of those emotions you get on reality television show, those are hype. There's no way to hide from the emotions that come from the ups and downs of doing an extreme race. And God dang. Like, I think that's probably why I, they, uh, I've been able to work through a lot of the mental uh, side of myself just through experiencing so many races over time. And I think it'd be a hoot and a half, I, you know, I, I get, I, I got a long list of people that I'll probably end up dragging through the dirt. If I ever get that television, show. I was just going to say, who's, who's the top of your list of people you want to see struggle. Oh man, I would love to drag. I feel like Kevin Hart would just be a lot of fun because he's got a great attitude and he's also a very, very physical person. Yeah, he's kind of an animal. Yeah, he's a total animal. Um, I'd probably take Missy Elliott. Missy Elliott, I feel like, has a terrible attitude about everything, and she'd be so sassy. Uh, I love Missy Elliott. And I would want to probably take hmm, – I'd probably take uh, – what's the name of that? Jonah Hill. Fat Jonah Hill, though. Not skinny Jonah <laughs> Hill, dude. We're talking about bad boy. Super bad Jonah, Jonah Hill. Hill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, super bad. I don't want him when he's been on a diet. And I feel like that, like him in like a hot desert race, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to suffer, but people need to know. And I want to see the true side of these people. So that's probably my short list. I got a long one that's probably in the closet. I wasn't I expecting want- Missy Elliott, but I like it. We just watched uh, Molly's game, and I guess like kind of the, the dickhead celebrity in it is Toby Maguire. And uh, I heard I think, about that. I think he would be a good one to drag through a brutal endurance race. See his Supposedly mental toughness. Toby Maguire is a creepy guy. Yeah, that's what I heard. Which he I got love. by a damn radioactive spider, though. Yeah, clearly, <laughs> clearly makes sense. 
you got to understand, man, these celebrities, what you see uh, in the movies is not real life. Like these are some sick and twisted people. There's just one guy in Malibu. I'm not going to describe this well, but if you guys know the first ever Hulk movie, you guys ever see Hulk? Yeah. The first one. Like old, old or the new one? Lou Ferrigno. No, no, not Lou Ferrigno. The first of like the new series of like superhero movies. Yeah. The Hulk. The dad, his dad from that movie who ended up being the supervillain that fought him, he's like he's almost an I would say in like one in ten movies and TV shows on, on, on right now. He's just like one of those characters who ends up in everything. I see him in Malibu all the time, and that man actually put fear fear in my heart. He is a scary looking man. He drives around this old Mercedes jalopy, and I see him at the beach. Like, he, like, gets out of the sand and, like, sand pours out of his weird, wiggish, creepy hair. And he's just a fucking terrifying person. And I wonder how the heck he's still on television. Because when you see him in real life, it puts the fear in you. Like, that man is just, like, oof. He stays up all hours of the night in a dark, dim-lit room drinking scotch, thinking bad thoughts. So, yeah, that guy, that's one of those celebrities that I've seen on television. I'm like, oh, man, I like this movie. And then I met him in real life. I'm like, I'm never watching that movie ever again. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. How would he do in your desert race? He'd crush me. <laughs> He'd turn me into dust. He'd probably, he wouldn't drink any water or bring any food. He'd just have a pocket flask of, like, Dewar's scotch. And he would just out-hustle everybody. <laughs> and bad mouth me the whole time. He's like, you want to be half-ass endurance athlete, pansy? He's that kind of man, dude. Uh, be a great commercial. It's going to happen someday. You'll see. Hunter, I need your uh, professional opinion on this. Yeah? Carol Baskin, guilty or innocent? Oh, man, that's such a guilty story. I know, if you just think about the storyline of all that, like, it's certainly pretty gosh darn produced, but God damn, that Carol Baskin woman is scary. That woman is scary. And they definitely made Joe the fall man because he screwed up big time. But the bigger story is in catching her. And then that guy, is it Don or whatever his name is? The one who's like the polyamorous, uh, like uh, long- Doc Emmerich? Or Doc. Doc, no, Doc Emmerich, Dude, it's a he'd hockey. Be, he'd be great on a, on a long run with you. Yes. Yeah, to ride his elephant. That man's just a saint. I feel like he doesn't deserve to be in trouble for anything. He's a saint. The other two, they're just devils. You know those. I mean, I feel like after this show, you're gonna have to get Joe Exotic out of jail for just a short period of time to get a little bit more knowledge of what's really going on with that thing. But Carol Baskin, 100, percent an evil person. Mm. Yeah, facts. I agree. No. What else? Anything? I think you I guys tell everything. me. <laughs> no, I appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your day to talk to us. Uh, where can our listeners find you? What do you got coming out? Anything you want to promote here? Oh, sorry. Dropped it for a second. Uh, you know, I just appreciate being able to have the opportunity to connect with cool people. Uh, if you guys want to get involved at all, what we're doing with this, this charity for Murph, uh, I have links that are going to be set up on my Instagram page. We're filming the whole thing. We're producing it and putting it up through YouTube every single week. And we're just having a blast, man. Like, honestly, I don't know what the world has to offer for us over the next six months because of what's going on. But, uh, I will at least be fighting the good fight in my gym every single day. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the experience with Murph. And then after that, 
as soon as doors open up for races, I'm just going to go back to kicking ass, crushing people in events like High Rock, Spartan Race, hopefully again to the CrossFit Games. But uh, I'm pretty easy to find on the internet, and I'm a pretty open-minded person, so you guys can always reach out to me, ask any questions. And, um, you know, it's just awesome to be here, guys. Oh, yeah, brother. Yeah, thanks for coming on. If you ever find yourself out in New Hampshire, New England, running any races, you know where to find us. I'll look you boys up, dude. Thanks a ton. Yeah, buddy. Appreciate it. Take it easy. Later, Hunter.